about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. Week nine, ten, nine. It doesn't matter. Of the Four Horsemen Podcast. Your host, P Wagon, fresh off an in person win again. Uh, joined by Steve, who uh, is pretty ornery today, so this should be a good one. A uh, lot to get into, bowl rankings, the game that was, the game that will be. Uh, but before we do that, Steve, how is your mental health? It's working. You know, the gears are turning currently, so you know I've got that to look forward to. Um, yeah, I mean, everything's going going pretty well so far. Uh, I can't say the same about Saturday night at 7.30 p.m., but as of right now, I'm okay. How about you, buddy? Ah, can't complain. Uh, just, I'm sure we'll talk about the Syracuse experience, uh, but it was by far one of the best college football environments I've been in. Uh, yeah, and I don't think anyone's pissed me off this week so far. Uh, I was late to recording, so hand up. Uh, I was was late because I was arguing uh, in a Facebook comment section about John Sott. So, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's where we're at there. Uh, it's not just a bit. Uh, I truly believe John Sott is the best player ever. Uh, so I, I defend the wall on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, everywhere. Fantastic. I mean, if, if there's anybody that we need – to go to bat for uh, for special teamers, we know we have our resident guy who's ready to come out swinging at any any moment. I have all the stats, and I, I will back it up. Um, just to kind of get things going, uh, this is a little two-minute uh, drill here, but uh, I wore a shirt to the Syracuse game that said, I'd cheer for the punter. Uh, a lot of Notre Dame fans thought it was very funny. Uh, a lot of Syracuse fans didn't get it but I'm not putting too much value in a man who was dressed as an orange uh, for the game. So with, with that, uh, overall, just quick game review. Uh, we'll talk about the game itself, but the tailgating environment, not up to Notre Dame standards, better than going to the Bronx and Yankee Stadium and tailgating there. Uh, very easy to park. The buses to and from the stadium, I enjoyed them. Uh, the dome itself, they called the loud house, but I didn't realize how loud it was, even though it wasn't fully sold out. Uh, it was fucking loud. So, that's the only thing I can say there. It, they truly are a loud environment. Uh, got about like 49,000 people, I guess, in attendance, minus the student section that didn't show up. And very clean bathrooms were actual bathrooms at the tailgate lot, which was pretty nice. Uh, beer i got a beer for four dollars i think they mischarged me and uh i sat in a section with a bunch of notre dame fans uh including one that follows us on the uh on twitter uh so shout out caleb or <laughs> i called him caleb but his name was colby uh so shout out colby he was awesome he was very knowledgeable was like doing a podcast while we were sitting there uh so yeah that quick review the, the wagon family is undefeated uh home away 
neutral site. Just can't beat us when we're there. How the fuck do we get you to South Bend in four days' time? You know, I, I'm asking myself the same question. I don't have any more PTO to take. <laughs> you can work remote, though, so, you know, you just got to make it work, buddy. It, it just, it's remarkable that we have this streak of never seeing a Notre Dame loss. I've seen them beat Syracuse. I've seen them beat Rutgers. I've seen them beat Syracuse twice. Syracuse twice. I've seen them beat Navy. So it's not exactly, you know, top 10 teams that they're playing. Syracuse was ranked at this time. Uh, But overall, Notre Dame played well in person, and that's all I could ask for. Perfect. Well, all that's great news. Um, Obviously, coming off the big 41 to 24 win this past weekend, uh, we are going to, you know, just to kind of touch on everything, we're going to recap Syracuse real quick. And then we're, uh, we're, we are going to dip into the mailbag and then we're going to close out with, uh, Clemson, uh, you know, obviously coming to, to South Bend this upcoming Saturday. So, uh, is there anything else that I'm missing on the agenda or do you want to just take us right into it? No, that that's it. Um, just fan of the week. My, my boy, uh, Colby, uh, want to just get that out there. Definitely the fan of the week. Uh, but the players of the week. I think Estime definitely has to be up there. Uh, 20 carries, 123 yards, 6.2 yards per carry, two rushing touchdowns. Uh, then just the the four-headed beast of Maris Leofau, Howard Cross the third, Isaiah Foskey, and Jordan Bethello. Uh, they they did everything. Uh, so they, they played very well. Uh, even Logan did 20 carries for 85 yards and a rushing touchdown. It, overall, they all played excellent. Uh I got to see John Sopp punt in person, so that was pretty cool. Uh, and even Blake Rupi, he missed that one kick. Uh, but other than that, he he also did what he had to do to get the job done. Perfect. And, yeah, I mean, in, in regards to the game, just to, to quickly go over some stats, obviously 41-24. Uh, Drew Pine was only 9 of 19. Um just a, a hair over 50%, which is nice, but uh, only nine completions is concerning. Uh, he had 116 yards, and he was averaging 6.1 yards per attempt. Um, not particularly a, uh, a game changer here. Obviously, that's that's actually something that we're going to eventually get into is the play of Pine um, over the last couple of weeks and, and what that's going to mean coming into this weekend. He did have a touchdown, did have an interception. That interception was tipped, though, correct? Yes. Yeah. So that's the second time in two weeks that he's he's thrown a tip interception. So let's talk about it right now because I'm I'm fired up and I I do want to talk about it. Uh, You have all these fanboys online and uh, there's certain groups that think they're the propaganda podcast. No, that's us. Uh, These people are saying, oh, fire Tommy Reese. Do this. Do that. Reese isn't getting them done. They're not developing the quarterback. What if the quarterback just isn't good? (laughs) <laughs> at the end of the day, you have to sit down and ask yourself, is it you're, you're playing with the pieces you have? Is it the coach who's not developing them or is the quarterback just not good? Yeah, that. so I, I think Tommy, I will till the day I die, I will die on this hill. Tommy Reese is right for Notre Dame. Tommy Reese will be a head coach somewhere someday. It's not him. Watching it in person, 
Pine is missing open throws. He's getting the yips for whatever reason. It's him. But let's call a spade a spade. It's him. Last year, Jack Cohn was a fifth year, which it's a little bit different. You go from a fifth year to pretty much a sophomore. So there is a difference there. And it's not a Reese problem. It's just a quarterback problem as a whole. Yeah. Um, would have been real nice to have at least one more four-star QB on the roster currently. Um, you know, ha- having Ron Paul as the third. Yeah, he's there as a scout guy, and he's a legacy and everything. Let's be realistic. He'll never play a, a snap or a meaningful snap in his career. Um, so now that leaves us with a th- you know, three quarterbacks coming into the year, Buckner, Pine, and then true freshman Steve, uh, Gale- uh, Steve Angeli. Um, obviously Buckner goes down. So now we, we effectively have a two quarterback room. So if Pine goes down, our choices are two freshmen, one's a four star, one's a three star. And that's like that. That's it. So like, we don't have a lot of depth, the development. I don't know. You know, I, 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 I'm not there at, at camp. I'm not there at practices. We see flashes of brilliance from Drew Pine. You know, you even think back to the Wisconsin game last year. He he acted as a spark plug through a touchdown pass in that game. It's where he had the Connor McGregor strut. And and Pine is a gamer. Pine is a gamer. He's a he's a competitor. He's a guy that goes out there. He's scrappy. He tr- he he tries his ass off. Um, you know, he's obviously going to be hindered by his height, and I think that's a factor in in you know two interceptions in two weeks here that were tipped at the line of scrimmage. And if you think that. The last two weeks, you know, have have been something with uh, with you know defensive lines getting their hands in the air. Boy, oh boy, do I have news for you of who we're playing this weekend, and uh, the abilities of that defensive line. So that's that's certainly an area for concern. So now, just, I'm sorry for cutting you off. You made a point about not developing the quarterback. Tommy Reese became the quarterback coach in 2017, correct? Well, I, I don't know if he's the, the – just to clarify. So is he the, – the factor or not, is it coaching? I don't know, just because, I'm, you know, we're not – I don't go to South Bend every summer for camp. You know, I, I have – 2017, uh, Steve. Yeah. He's had Brandon Wimbush, 9-3 as a starter. Ian Book. Heard of him. Brandon Wimbush again in 2018. Ian Book for nine games in 2018. Ian Book, Ian Book, and Jack Cohn. Oh, he doesn't develop quarterbacks. What the fuck do you want him to do? The winningest quarterback of all time, a fifth-year senior who was a Heisman contender at one point, and Brandon Wimbush? He, the, the body of work is just stupid for that argument. Oh, he doesn't develop seven quarterbacks on the roster. We, we don't have to. It's such a just ignorant argument. And so if you're listening to this podcast, we're 11 minutes in, or 10 minutes in, I don't know. And you hear someone say that Tommy Reese can't develop quarterbacks, spit at them because they're dumb. <laughs> it's just a stupid sentence to say, oh, he can't. De- he developed the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history. Notre Dame has been around. <laughs> Notre Dame has been around since 1887 playing football, and he developed the winningest quarterback. Far none. There. Yeah, that, that's all. No, that's yeah, and and I, I mean I've we've been critical of Tommy. There's still some play calls that here and there I I get a little per- perplexed by, but um, I mean I honestly think that his play calling in this game against Syracuse was 
as close to and I would give him a solid A A minus in terms of a, a play call of that game. Uh, he, obviously, he went with what worked. You know, he ran the ball 56 times, only threw the ball 19 times. You, you know, you, you're you're averaging 4.4 yards. Yeah, exactly. You, you you take what's getting you. You play to your strength, and and you just you know, you keep pounding it. You 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 force them to stop you. So Tom played. He actually called a, a really good game. That was impressive. We were excited about uh, you know to see that play out. But then you know we just don't know. You know, people saying that we should fire Tommy Reese. I, he really does need another full year, in my opinion, just because it's. He's look at the pieces that he's provided. You know, Drew Pine, does he have a future? You know, could he potentially be like have a nasty offseason and develop really well and, and just be the clear cut starter next year and throw for 3000 yards, 30 touchdowns and, and potentially work him, him, himself into like, uh, you know, the Heisman conversation. There is a world where that might possibly happen. It's like a one percent chance, but very unlikely. But yeah, I mean, you. you He's already recruited C.J. Carr, the 24 class, who is a five-star kid that's going to come in. Tyler Buckner is still a very high four-star, borderline five-star kid who's just injured. He's a true sophomore who's injured, so he's going to come back next year as a true junior. Another year to mentally take in the speed of the game and to take in the playbook and be able to see different coverages and blitz packages and everything. The offensive line was horrendous to start the year. They've been so much better. Incredible. Joe Walt is actually the best fucking tackle in in college football, and he's a true sophomore, and he was a three-star guy. Like... This team can develop. The the offense has been getting better week after week. Pine is inconsistent. He stares down number 87. And because of that, he becomes predictable. So what we need to see in this game, if we're going to see a modicum of success in the passing game, one, it has to be just straight up confidence from Pine. They have to do something to get this kid to believe that he can make the plays. Because he just he seemingly has no confidence at all, and two, you just have to set him up for success. You know, ro- move a pocket. Uh, you know, get get some trickery, some uh, some some sort of counter. Uh, you know, it, it, if it's like a, a a reverse, a wide receiver reverse or double reverse to Braden Lindsay. Like you need to be moving parts all over the field in order to just give Pine momentum. Because if he can connect on fifteen passes by halftime. There's a very high likelihood we would win this game. So I, because I, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's. There's a, there's a lot of moving parts to it. I, I also did bring up on the Twitter account that you know Steven Jelly, uh, you know, should be potentially considered to come in as a spark plug. Um, before we even get to that debate or that conversation, just wanted to see if you had any closing thoughts on on Pine. So we're, we're supporting Tommy. We're, we're, we're. we're firm in that at the moment uh so we're not going to talk reese anymore but just in regards to to drew and the passing game and what we can do to help him what are your thoughts i mean they did last year cone started when cone had the yips they brought in buckner nothing's different what why not do that when a pitcher is struggling in baseball you bring in a new one so i'm for it let steve throw the ball we're we've been Angeli supporters since day one. Whatever it takes to win, Tom. If you need me to, I've got three years of eligibility left. I don't play a year of college ball. I can hand the ball off if you really need me to. Like I, I will play quarterback for the Irish if that will make <laughs> us win. 
<laughs> yeah, and and to be clear, it's not like I have any sort of like delusions of grandeur that Steve Angeli is going to come off, uh, it, you know, come into this game as uh, you know a, a true freshman against a top five opponent with uh, an incredible defensive line, and all of a sudden come in and, and throw for like four hundred and fifty yards and and five touchdowns and just blow them out of the water. I'm not saying uh, that. DJ, but, you Delaley did that to us two years ago. So like. Um, why also not? true. Also true. Um, a bit of a discrepancy in terms of their talent coming out of high school. But again, you just never know, because if if you would have told me after that game in two years ago that DJ would have had the year that he had last year, I would have laughed in your face. Um, so things just change. You, know, you want to talk about, you know, the ability to, to develop a quarterback. Look at DJU. He's had his issues and he's been getting better and this offense has been getting better for Clemson. But um the, the entire per- point that that was to be made is if you let, let's say hypothetically first four drives of the game, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out Syracuse, uh, not Syracuse. Let's say Clemson in their first four possessions scores a touchdown and a field goal. Okay. So Notre Dame fourth, four, three and outs in a row and Clemson up by 10. You're just going to bring Pine out and just be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, nothing to see here. Ho-hum. Everything's just running perfectly fine. Like, let's just continue beating our fucking head against a wall and, and, and like, hoping something's going to change. No, you goddamn imbeciles on Twitter. No. The whole point of the thought exercise, which, for starters, it's called a thought exercise to get you to think critically, you imbeciles. It's the thought exercise is... You have to be prepared to do anything it takes to win. I support Pine. I think Pine can win us this game. I think Pine can lead us to be a 9-3 and three football team. But in this particular hypothetical, we go four straight three and outs, and we're down by 10 in the biggest game of the year. You got to get a spark plug. You got to do something. You got to change something. And if that means bringing in a true freshman off the bench to just make a couple of throws and potentially switch it up. I mean, if you look at the spring game, yeah, it was a sloppy spring game, to be honest. But at the very least, you saw Steve Angeli was he was scrambling. He was diving for pylons. He was throwing the ball all over the place. It, it's like the he had effort. He had fight. He had confidence. He just he fucking tried something. And again, I want Pine to come out in this game, throw for 250 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions. I want to win this game. I want Pine to be the guy all the way through. But if he's not the guy all the way through, you need to make adjustments. And if you cannot understand that logic, I honestly do not understand why you're watching football. I have a question for you. Am I mad? I'm no, mad. I, I can tell. <laughs> Before Brandon Wimbush. Okay. Remember him? Yeah. Who was the last quarterback to play at Notre Dame from New Jersey? Uh, ooh, that's an excellent, excellent. Ugh. Yes, you totally stumped me by taking Wimbush out of the equation. So I'll, I'll let you give me the answer. The you should know this: Matt Lawrence Lavecchio, Franklin Lights, New Jersey, attended Bergen Catholic High School in Ordell, New Jersey. Matt Lavecchio, 
Matt Lavedio, you say, oh, that, that's interesting. What, what, what's so, uh, what's so interesting about him, P Wagon? Well, let me tell you something. Matt Lavecchio would have won a Heisman Trophy if, if he stayed in Notre Dame. Steve Angeli, he's a freshman. Similar size to, to good old Matt. He also went to Bergen Catholic. Bergen Catholic breeds dudes. Steve Angeli, Matt Lavecchio. That's all I'm going to say. Not the greatest indictment in the world for a guy that ultimately flamed out after, like, what, six games? But he, he left because Tyrone Willingham didn't name him the starter in 02, and then he transferred to Indiana University. And what did he do at Indiana University, you ask? Oh, good question, Steve. He threw for 1,700 yards in 2003 and 1,900 yards in 2004. He had, let me do a quick math here, six teen interceptions and sit oh that doesn't sound too great we're we're doing a thought experiment kind of right here he threw for almost five thousand yards in his career with the majority of them coming at indiana uh, that's all i'm saying matt lavecchio could have been a dude at notre dame steve angeli will be a dude at notre dame facts i i i i, I definitely agree that you know angeli has a future um you know, whether he's going to be at ND for the, the entirety of his career or not. He's going uh, to go to Indiana he, and win a Heisman, and I'm going to jump off a bridge. <laughs> he, he is incredibly talented. He's he's really good. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, the, the entire point of the exercise is, you know, a, as I tweeted out, you just, a, at the very least, just compete in this game. Scare Clemson. Put the rest of the college football world on notice that this five and three football team that, yeah, you lost. If I see one more person, we lost to Stanford and we lost to, like, like you, you don't think that we get that. You don't think that we were there and understand that we, we had two bad losses. Yeah, we, we were there. The offense came out flat in two games. The defense kept us in it, but we ultimately just couldn't get it done because of inconsistent quarterback play. And at the time against a marshal, a bad offensive line. Offensive line is here, so now all we need to do is really just figure out the quarterback play. So that that like it, it just keeps coming back, you know, full circles of this entire argument and this entire thought exercise of just like, yes, Pine, the guy, support, love him. Please have a great game, Drew. Unbelievably rooting for you in in every aspect of of the word. Cannot express enough how much I want Drew Pine to dominate in this game. Realistically. Be prepared to make a change if necessary. Agreed. Uh, I, I don't want to continue down that conversation just because it's it's driving me out of my mind. But at the very least, we addressed it and, and you know, not confined to just 240 characters. We're actually able to spell out uh, more of a case for that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, so we've we've now covered the, Stan- uh, the Stanford, the uh, the Syracuse game. Uh, and and your experience in you know the game and the stats in general, um, we've obviously had the conversation about you know Drew Pine and and the potential for uh, changes if necessary for the upcoming game. Uh, I think right now it's a good idea to just pivot really quickly to over to the mailbag and then maybe we could kind of close out with uh, a little bit more of an in depth discussion about the Clemson game this this weekend. Um, so before we get into the to the mailbag, any closing thoughts on the matter? I'll I'll you know leave the floor to you. I didn't get a button. I'll never go back up to Western New York, and the DoorDash drivers stole my food. Uh, so <laughs> overall, which rating, is the equivalent to assault. 
I mean, yeah, I got chicken and waffles at 1130 at night and they stole it. Um, so here we go. Mailbag. On to the mailbag. I actually had it opened recently, too, but then I X'd out of it like an asshole. All right, here we go. How shitty is it knowing that Notre Dame Stadium needs to be loud and aggressive and crazy on Saturday night and also knowing that it won't be because of the down-in-front crowd? I, I don't care. I'm going to be watching from home. Uh, I think the student section will bring it. Uh, loud is loud. I, I don't have an answer for that. People definitely like to, you know, call out the older boosters. But at the end of the day, it's going to be 48 degrees raining with wind gusts of 40 miles an hour with sustained winds of 21 miles an hour. No one's going to be cheering in that. It's just going to be terrible weather to watch a football game. Uh, well, I, I did look at the forecast earlier. It looks like the rain's actually going to stop sometime around 6 o'clock as of now. Now, that, that can obviously change in the in a heartbeat as we're like a full five days away from, from everything. So um, potentially it's just going to be a wet field, but no actual, actual rain coming down. That might still have an effect on the ball in terms of like fumbling and, and catching and throwing. So something to, to be on the lookout for. But this is absolutely going to be a wind gust game. Um, I see 16 miles an hour is going to be the average throughout game time with gusts up to 25 miles an hour. So it looks like it's, we're going to get a lot of weather earlier in the day and it looks to dissipate. But again, that could change at any moment in time. I still think it's going to be pretty damn loud. I mean, you're going to be in South Bend, Indiana with the top five team in the nation. That's won two national championships in the last six years, uh, you know, that we beat two years ago on this very field. I, I think that people are going to I think they'll be there. Um, but with that being said, it's going to be incumbent on the team to keep the crowd into it, make some exciting plays, drop some blitzes, stuff Will Shipley at the line of scrimmage, score a fucking touchdown on uh, like in within your first two or three drives, like give, give people a reason to stay into it because the longer that this game goes on where Notre Dame is not showing life, particularly on offense I think you're going to start to hear more and more crickets throughout the stadium. So that's my analysis on it. Do you, uh, before the next question, I'll, I'll defer back to you. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I agree with that. And um, just a quick comment on Will Shipley. He had a question the other day that like Notre Dame Twitter is like freaking out about. Not uh, a big he, deal. He was just smug. Like he was snide. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. It was, wasn't a big deal of an answer to be honest. Uh, whatever. It wasn't like, but just stop being snide. Uh, True. Shout, out, shout out room Tim who was also in attendance at the game what percentage of the Q's win is attributed to the offense defense and special teams I score it offense 10% special teams 40% defense 40% PY can in attendance 10% uh, that seems like an accurate formula yeah no that that is right I, I did drink mad dog at 8am uh, for the game so uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ moving on Regisson how monster of a game does the defense need to have in order to contribute to the inevitable Irish victory on Saturday? Second question, how big of a game does Pine need to have? Will he be able to recreate the match that Book gave us on the 7th? Go Irish. So it's a two-part question. Uh, to answer that first one, the defense has to show up. They have to contain DJ uh, or Cade Kubelink uh, as the quarterback. They, they, they have a quarterback with easier names to pronounce. Uh, I, I think they... You need at least two turnovers, uh, fumbles, interceptions, block punts. You you need the ball in plus territory. Uh, 
and I, I think Foskey sets the record this weekend. Uh, he's two sacks away from Justin Tutt's record. Uh, so I definitely think he sets it. And then Pine, Pine doesn't need to have a big game. This is going to go contrary to what you're going to say. Uh, he needs to manage the game. No, no, that, I totally agree. That was the difference between Jack Cohn and Ian Book. Jack Cohn was a game manager, a very good game manager. Ian Book found a way to win. And for, yeah. for this game, you know, give the ball to the three-headed beast, you know, throw the ball to Mayer, uh, manage the game, control the clock, score as many points as you need to. But if you if we can run down their throat and throw occasionally, we'll be just fine. So I think Pine just has to be a game manager. I agree. I, I think that it's just going uh, in, in backwards order here. Pine only needs between 175 to 200 yards of passing in order for them to win this game. I think if he's held to 150 or less, the odds would be that Notre Dame's going to lose this game. It's not impossible that they win with less than 150 passing yards, but you're certainly going to be putting yourself in a less than favorable position. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I think we actually will have a little bit more success than people think with running the ball. But with that being said, like you can't expect 4.4 yards per carry and you can't expect 246 yards on 56 carries. Um, I, I, I think our total offense for this game is probably going to fall somewhere in the neighborhood of about 350 yards of total offense. And we can win with that. And that's going to go back to the first question here. And exactly as you mentioned, which is it's going, going to take a massive undertaking by this defense. I mean, you know, sir, the offense for Clemson is very spotty at best at times. You know, they have some moments of, of brilliance, but they also have a ton of inconsistency themselves. So it's not like we're going up against a bunch of world beaters. So there, there's a path, but they do have to get turnovers. And I, I just think if Notre Dame, if this defense gives up more than 24 points in this game, it's hard to see how they're going to win. But I think that they can hold this Clemson offense to less than 20 points. I think that's that's certainly a possibility. So it's it's going to be incumbent on the, the offensive line get, getting a good enough push and protecting Pine enough. You know, get a push with the ground game to be effective. And then you have to just have Drew make big moments, especially on third down, uh, and and you know just keep the sticks moving and, and just manage the game and don't turn the ball over. So I think that's it's effectively your recipe. Well said. Uh, if Marcus Freeman can win this game, what does that mean for our program? It means we're going nine and three. <laughs> uh, agree. Yeah, this comes in from from a longtime listener, Giuliano Romeo. First um, he was also one of our first guests. He was one of our first guests for sure. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think we're doing any guests this year just with uh, with Dylan not really being uh, available. Um, but, you know, everything's definitely on the table going forward. But in, in regards to uh, what this means for the for the program, if Freeman can win, um, I, I think it sends the message. It sends a shot across the bow to the, to the college football world that it's like, OK, yeah, like transition year. There was some bullshit that we had to go through. Um, you know, early on, but you know, Marcus is the guy. I, I think that's the message. And and to be clear, if Notre Dame loses, Marcus still is the guy. I just think the message gets you know 
loud and clear sent around to everybody. Uh, oh boy, like they they truly did build something in South Bend that's going to be here to stay. And and I agree that nine and three is is the is the, definitely the path. I agree. Uh, now going from from there, let's see. Can we count on P Wagon to start this game day with a Mad Dog? No. I, I can't find any around me. I, I have to go to a new Bedford to find it, and I'm not going to New Bedford. Um, <laughs> wherever I live, uh, there's no look. I've looked, Abby. I, I've looked for Mad Dog. There's none. Uh, two, what is your dream scenario for how we use our running backs this week? More carries for all three. See who's hot and hope Tommy sees it too. Tyree out wide more officially and consistently. More tight end sneaks. Mitch Evans, sneak him all day. Uh, give it an estimate, figure out where the weakness is in Clemson's defense and ride that hot hand. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, last game estimate 20 carries digs, 20 carries Tyree, only eight carries. Um, Tyree did have one catch for, for, uh, for 10 yards. So Tyree with, with nine total touches, uh, I think Tyree's got to have at least 15 touches a game. I've been saying this consistently. He's just too dynamic and too fast. Uh, you get him in space with the ball, he's gone. Logan Diggs, with that being said, has really stepped up in a big way as a true sophomore. Same with Audrick Estime. He's obviously been fantastic. It would be nice to see all three of those guys touch the rock at least 15 times minimum. Um, and, I mean, if we can get to 20 touches for each of them, uh, and th- this is combined rushes and passes. Even if you have little dump off, you know, running back screens or get a running back out into the slot where they can just make a catch in space, just a quick hitter, nice two-step accurate throw for, for pine, make it simple for him, get your playmakers in space. I, I think that's uh that, that would certainly be the desired result. Agreed. A uh, couple more here. Thoughts on Tyree on kickoffs. He is definitely back there. He's back there. Can't can't dispute that. Um, do you think Reese and Freeman have kept Pine in because they thought they could beat everyone with him in? And now we're not talking about this again. I'm I'm done with that. Uh, when does the pain stop? Grow up. Uh, you be a fan. You're gonna have fun this year. It, there's no pressure. And the most dangerous thing about a team that has nothing to lose is that they have nothing to goddamn lose. Have fun. I go into every game day now. I'm just going to have a blast because we're going to upset Clemson. We're going to beat Navy. We're going to beat Boston College. And we're going to beat the Brights off of USC. And then we're going to win a goddamn bowl. Probably going to be the Gator Bowl. Probably going to have to call off work a little bit early to watch the game. But at the end of the day, five games left. Have fun. We wait all year for this season. And, oh, I'm in so much pain. No, you're not. Grow up. I fully endorse everything you just said. Have fun. Um, I don't know where this comes from. We will own the ACC conference. Ja, 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 ja. Beating all one, two, three ranks. Ja, 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 ja. Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, that, that was weird. Um, uh, here's one from uh, from Doc Brown, Dr. Emmett Brown. Uh, is back from the future, believe it or not. And he wants to know, uh, it seems like we've seen a lot of single or zero safety deep coverage in recent weeks as teams try to stifle the run game and force Drew to pass uh, outside to the wide receivers. How do we best counter this? 
And how do we get Pine and those receivers on the same page and keep those defenses honest? Well, for starters, Pine just has to launch a ball. Just throw the fucking ball up in the air, 40 yards downfield to Tobias Merriweather. Uh, or, I mean, Jaden Thomas is in, has incredible body control. He, they say he's not a 50-50 ball guy. He's a 70-30 guy. Um, you know, we, we do have uh, even Deion Colsey. Hey, by the way, let's give Deion Colsey, you know, three catches for 44 yards, averaging 14.7 of reception last week. You know, it was a little bit of a coming out party for him. Um, you have plenty of length at the wide receiver position. Obviously, we have Mayer that can hit a seam. Uh, right up the field, especially if they're going to give a single high coverage. It, if they're going to give a single coverage and Mayer is, is in the middle of the field, like that's such an unbelievable mismatch that you should be able to hit him every single time. Um, I don't know. I, I just know more personnel, and I, I think that we have the guys to m- go up and make plays, especially against a softer. They're still they're still good, but their their pass defense for. Clemson is comparatively softer to their rush defense. So I think that's where opportunities will come. So uh, I think you just test the sidelines whenever you have a one-on-one matchup and, and, you know, let your guys go get it. But I'm looking at it from more of a personnel standpoint. You are the resident coach on the podcast. So I'm going to let you talk scheme. So he's talking either like a man defense or like a cover one, right? Yep. So cover one's biggest disadvantage and why it sucks as a defense is you can't cover multiple deep routes at once because it, there is that only single high safety. You only can support one corner at a time. Uh, so with that, you almost want to run some routes over the middle of the field. So the safety, you have to put the safety in conflict. So that, that, that's the, the biggest thing there. You, you want to put him in conflict, whether it's the middle of the field, so he has to come down, downhill, and if he doesn't come downhill, take the middle of the field. Or you want to spread him out, uh, find find the shitty corner, and throw at him with a single high safety. So that, that that's kind of just, you know, that's basic football right there. It's You have one playing zone deep middle with the two corners probably playing off in theory. Uh, it's man coverage across the board. So you... Put your dude on their less of a dude and beat him. Unfortunately, we need yep. a quarterback who can throw the ball deep. So that, that that's really where it is. And if you're playing that kind of like robber technique where the free safety goes back into that kind of that coverage to help one of the corners and the safety comes up for the middle of the field, that that, that could hurt. Uh, that, that could be a pick there. But, uh, you know, ISO routes, crossing routes, that's how you beat man coverage. And then if you beat a press coverage at the line of scrimmage, boom, touchdown. And you you did mention a pick. Now, I do want to say one thing, and then we can kind of close out. And I, I think we're good with the mailbag here. And then we can move on to uh, just kind of the uh, the official talk for the game. If we if Pine were to throw an interception that's 15 yards or more downfield, I'm, unless it's just like egregious, I'm okay with it. Yeah, he needs to because throw a shot. if you're, you're if you're you know throwing a ball on you know 18 yards downfield and it just so happens that you know I don't know a tip ball and and it just drops into the safety's hands. Okay, I mean obviously I'm sad because I don't want to turn the ball over, but like you're trying to advance the ball downfield. You're getting, you know, you're, you're taking the shot. So that's all you could ask for at this point, because 
we are the underdogs. We, we are expected to lose. So go out there and just shock the world and just have the balls to make the throw. So when I was coaching, we, we played against a kid, uh, not Drew Prime's brother, who was one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen play football, but uh, an, another player with an equally strong arm. Uh, he went on to play at an Ivy League. I don't know which one. Uh, he could throw the ball in the air 70 yards, flip to the wrist. Every game he started, first play of the game, they, they would start at with second and 10. He would <laughs> come out there, out of shotgun, wherever they were on the field, and he would and just, just throw the ball as, as far as he could as a warning shot to the other team's defense. <laughs> so we, we knew how far he could throw it. And it, it scared us shitless like... <laughs> He, and he didn't even throw that much in the game, but he just said, hey, if I need to throw the ball this far, I will. So. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with it. It's just like, hey, you know, first play of the game, play action, Tobias Merriweather, go up top. You know, just like, uh, you know, Kyren had the 75-yard touchdown, uh, touchdown run a couple of years ago to set the tone. Just, you know, give Toby a chance. Give Colsey a chance, Thomas, anybody. Just, just get get the ball downfield and show that you, you know you're not effing around, and uh, and back those guys out of the box so that way you can get that push with the running game and control the trenches. Agreed. So now we're on to Clemson. Mailbag is shot. So Clemson. We play this game every week, Steve. Guess the enrollment. At Clemson. Um, 27,000. Close. 25,822. Clemson, Ooh. South Carolina. Established in 1889, and Notre Dame has a very similar uh, trait to them. Uh, we both can't beat Marshall. Uh, they're 4-2 against the Irish. Their colors are orange and purple, but they call it regalia, which is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Uh, they touch a rock before they come into the stadium, and they drive on a bus. Uh, they're, they're just dumb overall. They're big, dumb idiots. Uh, they're <laughs> alumni, most notable alumni. Uh, the founder of Hooters, the lead guitarist for Creed, who didn't graduate. Uh, a defense contractor who was convicted in 2007 on two counts of conspiracy. Strom Thurmond, the longest-serving U.S. senator. Uh, and then... <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Rudolph Anderson Jr. He was the only person killed by enemy fire during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, so. <laughs> What? How do you even pull that out of your ass? I'm a history major with a lot of time on my hands. That's incredible. They also do have one more notable alumni. Um, very fond of massages. Anyway, uh, Rudolph Anderson Jr., just so you all know, uh, during the Cuban <laughs> Missile Crisis, uh, he was flying a Lockheed U-2 uh, over Cuba. He was shot down by one of two Soviet-supplied planes. Uh, it was a surface-air missile. Uh, very sad. Uh, did lose his life. Uh, he was ordered awarded the first Air Force Cross, uh, as well as a Distinguished Service Medal, a Purple Heart, and the Cheney Award. Uh, he was inducted into the Air Force Reserve Officer Training Corps Distinguished Alumni. Uh, we aren't going to make fun of that, but I just pulling that out of my ass to find someone who uh, did that. You know, rest in peace, Rudolph Anderson. You are a hero. Uh, 
uh, even if you did go to Clemson. Agreed. So, anyway, uh, we're playing Dabo or William Swinney, whatever you want to call him. Uh, his name is William for the uh, fans at home. Last time Notre Dame played him, we don't talk about the ACC championship game because that didn't exist. Notre Dame beat him at home in probably the game, best game of the year, I would say. Best game of my lifetime, question mark. Uh, yeah. We know what we're up against. They're pretty good. They're ranked in the, the polls. Uh, but overall, it's a game that Notre Dame can win. Uh, very easy way to see that we, how we can lose, but even better how we can win. Uh, Clemson is good. They're not great. Uh, they're 48th in total offense, 66th in yards per play, 41st in rushing, and 52nd in yards per catch. Will Shipley's very good, 739 yards, 10 rushing touchdowns, 19 receptions. Uh, their defensive line, 7th in rushing defense, 25th in yards per play allowed. Uh, their secondary prevents plays, but they're not great. They're 39th in passer rating, uh, 12th in plays of 30-plus yards, 2nd in plays of 40-plus yards, 1st in plays of 50-plus yards. So, if, you know, we're throwing 29 yards and under, we're, we'll be just fine there. Uh, they are 5th in the AP poll right now, 11th in S&P+. Uh, that is my quick overview of Clemson that you all wait for every week. Steve, what do you think about this game? Uh, two notable stats. They are only giving up two, actually one and a half yards less per game on average than Notre Dame. Uh, and then their defense is allowing 20 points per game. So they are not an entirely shut down team. Uh, and, and also worth noting, you know, a lot of the time in a lot of these games, they are basically the the way to beat them is obviously by passing but a lot of the times teams just completely abandon the run totally because they're playing catch up uh more often than not now with that being said i mean the syracuse they they're coming off a bye week which uh is obviously not going to work to our advantage but maybe a rest versus rust debate uh might you know hopefully there's a little bit of rust DJU was pulled in the last game that they played which was that 27 21 come from behind victory at home against syracuse um, and they did not look good. And the week before that, they won by less than a touchdown on the road at Florida State. Uh, they, they won 34-28 against Florida State on the road. So do you think that Notre Dame is better than Florida State? And if you think so, then, I mean, like, they, Florida State lost by six at home. They put up four touchdowns against this Clemson team. So it, I, I think that Florida State's offense is maybe just a little bit better just because they, they do have a little bit more of a passing threat currently but i mean if if we get unc drew pine we might win this game by 17 points um but yeah i mean it's oh man it, it, first things first 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 thing that they have to do out of the gate is just stop and contain will shipley they're going to have to dominate the line of scrimmage you can't give up any rushes you have to force them to throw the ball because you 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 just have to be dependent on DJU being a incomplete quarterback at this point, and uh, and ultimately just not being up to the task. You got to just hope that you know our our defensive backs are incredible. We have a good defensive line that can apply pressure, and you just you got to hope for those interceptions. So, and, but it's all going to start with stopping 
Will Shipley. Uh, their wide receivers are all pretty good, but they don't have any particular superstar. Like their leading receiver on the team has 29 receptions for 364 yards and two touchdowns. And that's through it, eight games. And it's because they don't like to throw the ball. Uh, the Irish are have eight sats in the last two games. Clemson's tied for 51st and sats allowed. They, if you pressure DJ or Klubinick, uh, it's going to give Notre Dame defensive bats a time for a turnover. Uh, you have to find a way to run the ball effectively, but you also have to find a way to bring the heat on DJ. And, you know, you hit him a couple of times, he's not going to take off and run. So, that's Yep. It. I mean, we saw in, in overtime a couple of years ago that he just flat out panicked as soon as we started applying pressure. He got sacked, what, two times in a row on second down, third down to force fourth down, and then on fourth down he starts scrolling – uh, you know, the, the pocket and then God even knows what he tried to, he tried to do like a, a three yard shovel pass on like fourth and 22. <laughs> so yeah, DJ does not respond to pressure well. So you have to get after him. And uh, he might have a little bit of the yips too. So, oh yeah. I mean, he was literally pulled two weeks ago against Clemson against Syracuse. Yeah. Sorry. Um. So yeah, I mean like there's, there's cracks in the armor that, you know, perhaps these are, Paper Tigers, potentially. And oh, no. I, I would love nothing more. Hey, podcast name. Um, I'd love nothing more to, than to come out with a win. And, and you know, Vegas seems to think that's a distinct possibility because this spread is now have the Irish at home uh, as three and a half point underdogs. And so look at the games they've played. They beat Georgia Tech by 31, Furman by 23, Louisiana Tech by 18. Wake Forest in overtime by six, NC State by 10, BC by 28, Florida State by six, and Syracuse by six. This is a winnable game for the Irish. They're not the Clemsons of Clemson past. Yeah, that that's absolutely correct. And uh, I, I actually saw someone make the point today that it would be actually a shame to see Clemson make the playoff because obviously if they win out they're they're absolutely in the playoff. But like, this Clemson team, if they come in at the number four seed, is going to have the absolute doors blown off that you know, blown off them by the number one seed, whoever that may be. Most likely Georgia at that time. So, yeah, I just, I, it, it's our opportunity to pounce of the remaining games that we have left. This is, in my opinion, definitely the 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 toughest task that you have. I think USC is going to be a little bit more manageable just when it comes to a pure matchup standpoint. But, you know, this this game is there for the taking. So. You know, Tommy, you got to spread this ball among your running backs. You got to make sure that Tyree's got to get his catches and try to get that boy in the space because, man, he can fly. Um, Drew just has to not be entirely dependent on Mayer. Trust me, I still want Mayer to have his, you know, seven catches for 100 and something. That'd be great. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think Mayer cannot consist of more than 30% of the catches for this team because if he is, um, you know, that then we're in we're in deep trouble just because it's going to be very predictable. And, and that's when turnovers start coming. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it's and then it's going to be a game in the trenches. And uh, I, I'd be plumb surprised, but um, pretty horny. Not going to lie. If if we see our, our offensive line just come out there and start pushing around and dominating that defensive line, uh, it, that'd be extremely unexpected. But uh, man, oh, man, would that get me torqued? They they do have one secret weapon that no one has talked about. 
Uh, he wears number 39 as well. He is the punter, Aiden Swanson. He's left-footed. I don't like that. It's a weird spin on the ball. I, I don't I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. That's all. He's just a, it's a left-footed punter this year. Uh, he's averaging, uh, let me see here. For Syracuse, he had two punts, both at seed of 50 yards. Uh, he's pretty good. He's a left-footed punter. It's just weird. Uh, I, I don't like that he's left-footed. <laughs> Come for the Notre Dame, stay for the punter analysis. That's it. So, I mean, that's pretty much, I, I don't think it's it's going to be wise uh, to make any sort of predictions. I mean, I personally uh, am going to be in Newport, Rhode Island for my ninth and final wedding of the year this upcoming Saturday night. But weeks ago, I already secu- uh, secured with the groom um, a, a TV streaming this game on NBC and or Peacock at 7.30 p.m., uh, this upcoming Saturday. So that's going to be my experience. I'm going to be a nervous wreck. Uh, I think that we could pull this off. Uh, I kind of gave my wish list of what I would like to see happen, because if that happens, I think we end up coming out victorious in this game. Pretty much all the, the words that I've had to say uh, have been said. So go Irish on my end. But if there's any closing thoughts, the floor is entirely yours, Mr. Wagon. I would like to end with a song uh, by Roseanne Cash. Thank you, <laughs> Off the album Interiors. It's called you know, with the title. Are you, you going to actually play it, or are you going to just sing it? I will read the words. I will not play it, because we almost got shut down once. That was my fault. Roseanne, Miss Cash, should I say, has a song called Dance with a Tiger. And she says, in every woman and man lies the seed of fear of ha- just how alone are all who live here. Denying the fear is the name of the game in our podcast. To stare the fear is going insane. Forgiving the fear is one up on Kane. Is to dance with the tiger and laugh at the rain. We're going to dance with these fucking tigers on Saturday. And we're going to laugh at the goddamn rain. And the Irish are coming out with a victory. 43-30. Go Irish. Beat tigers. <laughs>